0: Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. Thank you, worship team, for that powerful worship. Excited again, y'all, for what we have in store. I think God's going to do some awesome things um, this semester, and I'm excited for the series that we're going to be in. You know, the, the Church of Ephesians or the Letter of Ephesus that you find in your Bible, right, that's located in the New Testament, which is on the right side of the Bible. If you didn't know, the Bible is into two different sections, Old and New Testament. And this is found in the New Testament. But here's the thing. I don't know if we often recognize or think about the beginnings or the stages that it takes for something to be developed. In other words, the Church of Ephesus, which is what we're going to talk about this semester, didn't just show up out of anywhere. Okay, things had to happen, stuff had to occur in order for a church to be developed. I mean, if you look in this building, you see a lot of structures and a lot of things, and there's a lot of work that went into this, but the building isn't the church, right? The church is the people who God has called to him, and the people that are in this room, we're considered the church, okay, people, not a building. But even within that, it's important to think about how we even— came to know Jesus and all the things that had to happen for us to know Jesus. And and so we're going to talk about how the church of Ephesus tonight specifically started. But let me ask uh, somebody this question. Does anybody like love burgers? Like absolutely love burgers. Like I absolutely love cheeseburgers. Here's the thing. Has any, does anybody know the process into making a cheeseburger? Anybody? Right? Obviously, yeah. Like, so, so here's the thing. I'm not going to get too graphic, but but I don't like sometimes to know what, what goes on behind the scenes. Sometimes I just like to enjoy what's in front of me. And so the thing is that when I start to contemplate and think about it, I'm sitting there and I'm having a burger and and one of my friends did this one time, he started asking me questions like, "Where do you think this, this, this meat came from, man? And I'm like, what? Like, I don't know, some meat market. Yeah, I know. But, but before that, And, and I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, and he goes, well, it, it was a cow, right? And I was like, I mean, yeah, it's beef, right? And said, "What do you think the cow's name was, man?" And I go, "Dude, I don't know, man." Like, well, he goes, "What? What do you think had to happen?" I was like, "I'm sure they had to kill the cow." And he's like, "Yeah, but do you know how they kill the cow, man?" And I said, "No, I don't know how they kill the cow." And then. He goes, well, first you got to hang it upside down. Wait, well, first you kill it and then you have to hang it upside down and let the blood start dripping out. And he started telling me all these different things about how a cow is killed and then like torn apart and then cut up and then processed. And, and I, what do you think happened? I, I didn't want to eat the burger. I mean, I still ate the burger because the burger's delicious. But the thing is, I didn't want to know the process to the point when I had that cheeseburger in front of me. But I've often... Don't think about how important it is to know that, though. And I love music, right? And there's a song that's called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that song before? I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I'm thinking I'm singing it totally off-key or wrong. But did y'all know what, what song I'm talking about? Well, let me tell you how this song came to be really quick. So there was a movement in Wales, England, yonder over there, right? Wales, England. And the Holy Spirit moved, people came to know Jesus and families started to become missionaries and they started going to different places. And one place that they mostly went to was Northern India, okay, North India. But in this place, there were many villages and a lot of these villages had people called headhunters. And these headhunters had one job, to go collect heads. So they k- kill people and they walk around and, and with their prize possession heads, You like if you look up, well, don't look up photos, but if you do, like you'll see them walking around, there's heads like around their waist, just, just proud. And so families started to go there and they started sharing the gospel and the gospel started to spread and, and people were starting to know Jesus. But then there was one tribe where the chief got wind of this and he didn't like what was happening. So he captures a family, a family of of two Uh, children which were two sons a mother and a father and they bring the family before the chief and the chief looks to the dad and says hey renounce Jesus right now it's like stop preaching the gospel and and say right now that you will not uh declare Jesus as anything anymore or we will kill your two sons and so the the chief puts the sons there in front of the father and he commands his soldiers or or his people to go ahead and and wind up their their bow and arrow aiming at the children, and the dad says this. He says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Chief gives a signal, boom, arrow pierces the children, shot dead on sight. Then he brings his wife, the love of his life, before him and says, hey, renounce Christ right now. Stop proclaiming him, or the same will happen to your wife. And again, he cues his, his, uh, his people to, to point an arrow at her. And the dad says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. And chief gives a signal and she's shot dead. And one more time, he says, pointing an arrow at him now, renounce Christ or you too will join your family in death. And the last words he said were, the cross before me, this world behind me, no turning back, no turning back. And that was it. His life was over. And we sing this song and we love this song. And a lot of people have come to really have great moments with Jesus through this song, but we don't often think about what had to take place or what took place in order for that song to even exist. And so that's why, as we talk about Ephesians and we talk about Ephesus, I want us to look back and see how it all started and it starts in the book of Acts, and I'm going to summarize chapter 19 very quickly for you. If you have time go and read chapter 19, we see Paul, who was you know one of Jesus his followers, uh, well, he had become his follower right after persecuting a lot of Christians and being bad. Jesus saved him and said, "No, no more." And Paul was like, "Okay, I surrender to you, Lord." So he becomes uh, one of his disciples and he's going into different areas and he ends up in Ephesus and he starts talking to people and proclaiming Jesus and people are getting saved. And then there's a huge uh, argument happening in Ephesus because there was a goddess named Artemis there that they loved and worshiped, but people started to renounce Artemis and started following Jesus. And there were some people that were very upset because they started throwing away all their idols and their black magic books and all that. And that costs a lot of money. And that's one of the main ways that this these people would get money. And so Jesus is not only saving people, but he's also causing uh, people to lose money, right? Which which is not always exciting for these guys because they rely on people to follow Artemis and, and to buy idols and, and black books and all that, black magic books and all that, right? And, and so things are going and, and Paul is about to go and speak to them again because there's a huge riot happening and, His friends say, no, don't go. So Paul doesn't go and he goes away. But then he says, don't worry, I'm going to come back. I promise I'm going to come back. And then in chapter 20, we see him come back, but to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to say goodbye, to say goodbye to the church that was planted there in Ephesus. And what had happened was that he knew that he had a mission that he still needed to fulfill And he wanted to remind his brothers and sisters at this church what had to happen in order for the church to be established. In Acts 20, verse 28, it says this. It says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God. And it says this, which he purchased with his own blood. Which he purchased with his own blood. You see, you... Calvary student were purchased. You cost something. You were very expensive by the way because it cost someone their life. Jesus purchased you by blood with his own blood but here we also see that he purchased the church. So something very important to understand is that if the church being established, was purchased by blood, then that means that the church is extremely important and it plays a huge role in our lives and in the world. Your allegiance, your loyalty, who you belong to is Jesus and his church because he died for the church. You see in Acts 20, verses 17 through 21, what Paul had to go through. It says this in verse 17 Now from my leaders he sent to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church And when he came to when they came to him he said to them this he said You know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility with tears and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to any to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. He's he was there for years. Paul was there for years just preaching about the good news of Jesus and people were coming to know him and he's telling them this cost me so much it cost me time it cost me tears it even cost him finances look in verse uh, 34 it says you yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me he worked for his own well-being it cost him his life he sacrificed his life to make sure that churches were being planted and that he would fulfill God's call on his life. So the church is purchased by blood and it also cost people a lot of things. So what do all these sacrifices, all these sacrifices that Paul made, like where does that even come from? Like what, what even makes him want to do it? Well, look in Acts. 20 verses 22 through 23. 22 through 23 says this. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. Paul was compelled by the Spirit. And here's the thing, is that Jesus, if you have surrendered to him, he has given you one thing, and that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is to compel you. Now, compelling doesn't come out of emotion. It doesn't come out of like a I owe you or or anything like that. In fact, if you look up the definition of, of compelling, it's actually rooted in obligation. It's so weird to kind of think about it that way that you would be obliged. But if you come with the right perspective and the right heart, you would understand that the obligation Right for you to come and repent and believe and to serve the church is coming from the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just here to make you to stop doing bad things. The Holy Spirit is here to remind you that your body, your life was bought with blood and that we are to love and remember Jesus and thank him and be so grateful that we would know that the only way that we could ever say thank you or pay him is by being in the church that he has called us to be. We were saved, which led us to obedience. Because if it was obedience to salvation, we would all fail because salvation is not based off of how well you do. It's based off how well Jesus has already done for you. And we respond in obedience and being compelled by the Spirit. Have you been compelled by the Spirit? Have you been invested in abiding with Jesus so much that you have had the Spirit compel you enough to show you that your purpose has already been planted? Your purpose has already been planted, students. You already have a job to do in this world. It'll look different for everybody, but it's the same thing. And it's in Acts 20:24. 20, it says this, I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of God's grace. And then this is the last thing he tells his people in verse 36. He says, After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul. And kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they walked him to the ship. And so Paul, in his last moments, just crying with them. people are praying for him. And people are just sad because they know that they are never going to see Paul again. But Paul is saying, hey, guys, my purpose is planted. And I have to go and fulfill that purpose. And I need to leave. And I love you all so much. And people are crying and weeping and just sad. But they also understand that Paul is being compelled by the spirit that Paul's life was purchased by the blood of Jesus. And that if it wasn't for his obedience, that the church in Ephesus may not have even existed. And he needs to go and fulfill that purpose. You know, there is a happy ending to that story of the song. After uh, the family was killed, the chief was so amazed at the loyalty of this family that he actually started to investigate the Bible for his own. He started to investigate Jesus. And when that ended up happening was the chief ended up receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, along with every person in that village. With his last words, he said, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. And that was enough to jumpstart a movement that he would never see. That father was never gonna see people come to know Jesus. But everyone did come to know Jesus. And so as we sing that song, as we think about those songs, and as we think about the fact that we're even here right now, y'all, know that this cost a lot of, a lot of things for this to even exist. Specifically, it cost Jesus' life. But it also cost previous believers Time and, and their life sacrifices. And so my prayer is that we would leave tonight, y'all, and that you would go to your schools and you would remember, my goodness, Jesus has done something so amazing for me. I need to just tell someone about it. I need to tell them to to come on Wednesday and say, hey, you just need to come with me on Wednesday and and we just got to read the word together because I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is compelling me to tell you this and telling you uh, that Jesus has a purpose for your life. And let me tell you, a lot of y'all are thinking about your purpose. A lot of y'all right now may be thinking, what the heck am I going to do with my life? Some of y'all are in that boat. Some of y'all have no idea. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus has already planted your purpose and that if you lean into him, if you abide in him and seek him, I promise you, whether it's you being a teacher, an officer, or whatever it may be, that that purpose is still the same, and that's to be a disciple of Jesus that would go and make disciples of all nations. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I pray that you moved tonight, that we were convicted by your word, and that we remember that for those of us who have proclaimed you as Lord, there's no turning back. We have decided to follow Jesus, and the beautiful thing is, Father, is that there is hope in you, And that anything outside of you doesn't even exist for hope. Hope is only found in you. And so we pray for our students. We pray that they would see you, that we would uh, reflect you to them. We pray for our high schools and our middle schools, that our students in this room right now would would start a movement in their schools and, and people would come to know you and love you. And I pray for any situation that is in anyone's heart this evening, whether it's going through a relationship problem with, with family or with um, a significant other. Maybe there's doubt. Maybe there's anxiety creeping into the minds. Maybe there's pain from previous experiences. Maybe there's doubts of, of you even being there, Lord. May you right now in this moment remind them that you are present, that you care for them, that you love them, and that we would continue to seek you in all that we do. To your name we pray and we all said, Amen.